questions, observations about your sitting or your walking? Yeah, please. So the question is, uh, in such a busy life, she doesn't really have time to think through things fully, and so there's a desire to think them through in meditation. Um, what do I think about that? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't encourage that. <laughs> it's going to happen anyway, <laughs> regardless of whether you int- what you intend. But I would say that we have a lot of time to think. We have a lot of time to be mindful, actually. Um, and we spend a lot of our time thinking. But the problem with our thinking is it's not very purposeful. So we just tend to, we, it's like a tumble dry. It's sort of always on in the background. It's rumbling when we're showering and driving and having conversation and eating. And, and um, so it's, you know, it is really useful to take time. You know, often I'll, if someone is having a, a bigger you know, life question, issue, struggle, and I say, um, you know, do your meditation practice and then bring the question, bring the issue in at the end of the meditation when hopefully there's a little more clarity and calm and then you can, you know, discern. You know, and there's certainly a place in the tradition for contemplation and, uh, and to, to, to bring to mind, say, like, you know, this, in this case it would be a teaching like on impermanence, you know, or one's mortality or on compassion and, and to, to do some contemplative reflection about that. But it's different than mindfulness practice, which is not, which is really um, uh, cultivating this clarity of awareness, which is different than purposeful thinking. So uh, my teacher, my first teacher, he would put in his calendar, he was very, very um, precise kind of person, and he you know, would put like 3 p.m. Tuesday the 17th, think about this project and would actually calendar it. And I think that was a smart thing to do. Yeah, he was running this huge organization, kind of like a CEO, a spiritual CEO kind of. Um, and I think that was really, you know, that, that we, can, we can do that. We can give ourselves time to do that. Or do it after a period of meditation. But not during, otherwise forget it. <laughs> we're thinking enough as it is and if we add that in like we've lost okay other questions yes um, I have a very persistent and uh, deep sense of sadness hmm. and, um, sadness about this place being so beautiful and that we're only here for a short amount of time. I mean, mm. it goes on. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's tears. I, I just feel like, um, you know, I had an opportunity to see mortality. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it made me very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So the observation is that she uh, is feeling a lot of sadness seeing how precious this place is, how beautiful this place is, and also that we're not around for very long. And that's the truth. We're not around for very long. And there can be many responses to that. There can be a sense of urgency or preciousness or vulnerability or sadness. In this case, it's sadness. Uh, 
So good to really feel that. Good to let in the truth that we're not here for very long. You know, one of the things, one of the ways I reflect on that is I think, how many summers do I have left? Right? When we put it into seasons, it's like, oh, I may not have many summers left. I might have, this might be it. Or I might have one. Or I might have ten. But I'm not going to probably have more than fifty. In my case, probably less, maybe forty. And then it's like, oh, this is really real. You know, maybe I'll get five. Who knows? So it's, you know, part of these teachings is waking up to the truth that everything is impermanent, including <coughs> number one over here. And if we lived our life with that reality, we would live very differently with a sense of poignancy and appreciation and gratitude. And we would let go of a lot of petty stuff that's just worth dropping. Yeah, so it's good to, you know, meditation, you know, today I'm really mostly focusing on more the nuts and bolts of mindfulness practice. And, but the, the, this practice takes us into much deeper places of our being, of these more existential questions of life and death, of what is the point, what is meaning, what is the purpose. And, um, and so, you know, just like we don't have much time to think, we don't really give ourselves much time to reflect, to drop into a deeper sense of our being and a deeper sense of what is the point? What is this life about? What does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to be awake? What does it mean to have a heart? What does it mean to live a life of integrity and service? Right? These are really important <coughs> questions that when they arise in the meditation, that we, to welcome them. And these are, these are not the idle, restless, distracting, distracting thoughts. They're the deeper questions of life. And when we touch them, it's a good thing because... We live in this very fast-paced culture that doesn't allow much time or space for contemplation, which is why we have days like this, why we have a retreat center like this. So people come and they drop into the silence for five days or a week or more to, to touch this level of our being, you know, because that's, these are the important questions. When we're on our deathbed, we will have hopefully lived those questions and not waited till we're facing death in the face to go, what the hell have I been doing with my life? Because a lot of people do wake, you know, do wake up facing death. They get a terminal diagnosis. We have a person on staff here, beautiful man, worked here for seven years, had a stroke, he took a hospital, they did some research, and some tests, found out he had riddled, body was riddled with cancer, and uh, he went straight from hospital to hospice and passed last week. You never know. We never know when it's going to be our turn. So if that's true, which it is, then what are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with this gift of this beautiful body and mind and awareness that's precious to the earth, precious to everything? That's the point of this practice, is to wake up some urgency, some fire. Yeah, I don't mean to be somber, but I'm, it's real. Right? This is, this is a, there's a reason you know, we're, we do this practice. You know, most of us are motivated because we're suffering, and it's real. 
and we're looking for a way out. And there is a way out. So this is the invitation of these teachings, to look at this really squarely in the face, which is, as the Buddha said, it's against the stream. It's against the stream of the culture. The cultural norm is to avoid these issues, to deny these issues, to distract yourself helplessly. Because it's hard. It's hard to face this stuff. Just notice what you're feeling as I'm talking. It's a little more real. It's a little more serious. A little more something. Some depth to it. But if we don't, then we are not living from the depth of our being. So, thank you for your welcoming the sadness. When sad, I choose to feel. When sad, I choose to reflect. When feeling existential angst, I choose to inquire, what is this? Who am I? What am I? Who the hell knows? But let's take a look. Let's try and find out. We pr- we'll probably never find the answer, but the point is to keep looking. It's a beautiful uh, quote from uh, from Rilke, from again the same from um, Letters to a Young Poet, where he says, um, "Love the questions themselves. <coughs> Love the questions as if they were uh, books written in a very foreign language." Learn to live the questions. You are not giving the answers to those questions now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. So live the questions and gradually, someday, way in the future, you will learn uh, You will learn the answer to those questions. But the point is to live them, live the inquiry. The point isn't to actually get the answer, the point is to live the question. What is it? What is this? That's the, the Zen koan, Zen practice. What is this? What is this life? What is this moment? What is this breath? What is this mind? What is this awareness? Does anybody really know the answer? What is it? What is this being human? Rumi says, what is this being human? It's like a guest house. Every day a joy, a meanness, a sorrow, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows. Oops, I'm going a little fast here who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, malice. Meet them at the door laughing. Invite them in. Each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So, if this practice does one thing, it takes us more to the unknown. In Zen they call it don't know mind which means we, we look at the world with a curiosity. What is this? What is this life? Who knows? But I'm going to get curious. I'm going to get close to it. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to rub it. I'm going to feel the nitty-grittiness of what it means to be mortal, what it means to be vulnerable, what it means to be uh, alone. Right? Well, that cheered the room up. (laughs) (coughs) Other questions, reflections, comments? My experience sort of coattails on what you were just talking about. 
the first time I've come to Spirit Rock, and I've been coming here for almost 15 years. Then until this walking meditation, I hadn't experienced even a moment of peace in my mind. Because I brought so much, and it's been very hard to let go of it. It's coming from the outside. And when I was walking, it was so clear to me. I, I know this. But I like really, really, really know it. The one way that I can have some peace and escape, I cannot sit. I have to be outdoors. I have to feel my feet. I have to be in nature and to walk and really choose to seek out like places where I could really feel and hear the crunching under my feet was the first moment of relief that I've had. And I mean, this is, it's, 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 it's just been really big. Mm -hmm. um, and as I was doing that, I had another moment where I realized everything that I've been doing my whole life, my work, and, and so much of it is work I really love, has been indoors. And I, that existential moment, I just thought, I just, the, the terror that I've been living with in my head and the anxiety and the ruminating and going over these details and stories of these things that I'm in, I just started crying. And it actually, it wasn't like bad. It was, you know, it was just this moment of, like, even, it was like a sweet kind of, okay. You know, and and if I can't sit still inside and meditate, well, then I don't have to fucking be there right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, just go outside, you know? And if I can go back to that practice, you know, when I go back to that practice, but that I really don't give myself permission, you know? To, to do what I know I need to do, or give me whatever it is. So that's it. Mm -hmm. That's my story. That's mm -hmm. my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <coughs> it's good you're here. Me too. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm so glad. I mean, this so so let that so let that peacefulness um, let it let it sort of work do its work in you. Yeah. Whatever whatever allowed that to be. Let that do its, don't overthink it, right? So, you know, there are times in our practice, and as you say, you know, and I, I, I was working with, uh, worked with a student for a long time who's had a very, very difficult life, and she was on retreat and done some retreats with me, and um, so it's always been hard. And this particular retreat was very hard. You know, all the stuff she was dealing with in her life and in herself, and she had this moment where um, she uh, was doing walking meditation, and she touched the ground, and like everything just became completely present in that moment. And it was the only time she felt like she was present. The whole retreat was to be present for that simplicity of putting the foot on the earth as a conscious human being. And she said the whole retreat was worth it. But that moment of presence, 
So you're, you're having one of those moments. I'm not going to repeat, it was too long to repeat, but we have these moments where we come utterly into the present. We stop fighting with our experience. We allow ourselves to be who we are. And it's like we come home, actually, to ourselves. And it's a beautiful thing to come home to ourselves. Meditation is a process of coming home to ourselves without all of our stuff, without the dross, without the baggage, without the stories, without the past, and just be fully here. And it's a very profound thing, just to be here. And sometimes we just taste that momentarily, like you talked about in the walking, and it completely changes everything. Completely changes our experience of life and who we are. And it's hard to say why. But it gives us a reference point for how to be. So, and this often happens in nature. You know, there's studies done, the researchers, people who experience the sacred or the God or, you know, different ways of understanding the divine. Usually it's like 80% happen outside, not in these rooms. <laughs> <laughs> not in these temples. They can happen here for sure, beautiful places, but mostly they happen outside. Because we're, we're actually, what nature does is it brings, it allows us to, to combine these qualities that we're developing here of presence, of relaxation, and alertness. And when we bring those two qualities together, then things can unfold. Relaxation, openness, and alertness. So good. Okay, so let's do a little more sitting and then we'll close. <coughs> so I'm gonna read a, a meditation song by this wonderful teacher, Gendon Rinpoche, who is a Tibetan retreat master in France. It's called Free and Easy, man. Free and Easy. And, and mm, when you listen to this, uh, let your, just let it wash over you. Some of the things you might disagree with, but just let it part of the mind that's always arguing with everything. Just let that get quiet for a moment. Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. Don't strain yourself. There is nothing to do or undo. Whatever momentarily arises in the mind and body has no reality, has little reality whatsoever. Why identify with it and become attached to it, passing judgment upon it and ourselves? Far better to, sim to simply let the entire game happen on its own, springing up and falling back like waves, without changing or manipulating anything, and noticing how everything vanishes and reappears magically again and again, time without end. Only our searching for happiness prevents us from seeing it, 
It's like a vivid rainbow which you pursue without ever catching, or a dog chasing its own tail. Although peace and happiness do not exist as an actual thing or place, it is always available and accompanies you every instant. Don't believe in the reality of good and bad experiences. They are like today's ephemeral weather, like rainbows in the sky. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable, you exhaust yourself in vain. As soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite spaces there, open, inviting, and comfortable. Make use of this spaciousness, this freedom and natural ease. Don't search any further. Don't go into the tangled jungle looking for the great awakened elephant who is already resting quietly at home in front of your own hearth. Nothing to do or undo, nothing to force, nothing to want, nothing missing. A ma ho, marvelous, everything happens by itself. So letting the Letting the entire game of your experience happen by itself, which it is already doing anyway. Sounds appearing and disappearing. Sensations coming and going. Breath entering and leaving. <coughs> feelings blowing through like storms, like mist, coming and going. Thoughts appearing like clouds in the sky of awareness. So taking the seat of awareness, abiding as awareness, everything entering and leaving the sky of awareness.
relaxed in your body, alert with awareness. Nothing to do or undo. Soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite spaces there, open, inviting, and comfortable. Allowing experience to be just as it is, meeting it with a kind awareness. So I'll close the meditation with a poem I wrote called Turning. Your only duty is to not run. Even if the hole of loss burns deep in your belly and on waking you feel the dread of walking into the day stripped bare. 
You can always pretend, try putting on a face other than your own, but that's a game that's never worked and only burns a whole deeper hole inside the pocket of longing. But there are times when you turn towards where you are and touch the empty places inside you've spent a lifetime running from with delicate hands of love, the way the evening fog envelops the solitary tree without flinching, pressing into and loving every gnarled crevice, every twisted branch, even the forgotten needles fall into the ground. This is the first step that begins the slow journey of completeness, keeps inviting you deeper into the roots of yourself, claiming your place that has been waiting, that is always right here. So it seems like we're just starting and we're ending. <laughs> or maybe it feels like you've been here for 10 days, I don't know. <laughs> so just to recap a little bit, so we've been exploring this essential quality of mindfulness, of awareness, this capacity to be present, to know our experience but to not simply just know our experience, but bring an attitude or to be mindful of our attitude, to look at how we relate to these experiences, breath, body, sounds, feelings, thoughts, emotions. (coughs) So we're both attentive to what's happening, our attitude to what's happening, our relationship. We've explored learning to stay embodied, to be in our senses, in our felt sense experience, to let go of our habit of dwelling in our thinking mind and actually coming into a direct contact, direct experience with ourselves and life around us. To invite, to welcome our experience, to notice our preferences, and then to notice what gets in the way of that. Hindrances, this bias towards pleasure, avoidance of pain, energetic imbalances, restlessness and sloth and self-doubt. And to also learn how to bring us a sense of of warmth or kindness or friendliness to our experience. So we're holding ourselves and what arises with a sense of welcoming and invitation. And then there's the rest of your life and how to practice this in your life, which is the big part of, and we've been meditating today and then you get to practice. And... um, in some ways, the conditions here are easier. There's quiet, stillness, no technology, and no demands. And then when we go back into our life, well, this is our life, but when we go back into you know, our normal day-to-day life, we have to deal with conversation and technology and work and other things. But the principle is the same. How do I show up and be present for this? Whether it's walking to your car or forgetting your keys or chatting with the person that you came with, or going to 
Whole Foods and getting its bite to eat and being present for the cashier or uh, your children when you get home or walking the dog. Or, and it's, it's the same practice. How do I meet this and this and this? How am I relating to this when I get caught in traffic? Or there's a long line at the checkout counter? Or who knows what phone messages or email messages came in that's going to piss you off as soon as you read them? You know, how do I meet that when I get startled? Oh, yeah, look at that. Fear, reactivity, rage. I spent all day being really peaceful, and it's actually quite easy to go from here to flashing because there's a a contrast. And so, and then we can forget, and maybe we get angry by the time we've gotten to our car and we think we've forgotten everything we ever learned today. And then we remember, oh, yeah, of course, I, I forget. I space out, and then I remember, and I take a breath. I remember to be kind, and I remember to start again. All right, anger is like this. Losing my keys and feeling self-judgment is like this. Breathe, look around. Oh, it's a beautiful summer's day. Joy is like this. That too. So, and then to you know to maintain this practice in your life is is, is challenging. You know, it's it's both both a meditation practice. A very useful thing to cultivate in your life, if you can, if you have the inclination, to sit regularly, quietly, be with your experience, breath, body, or any of the instructions today. I have CDs uh, that you can, um, uh, I have also guided meditations on my website you can listen to and download. Um, There's innumerable resources where you can, it's, it's helpful in the beginning to have guided uh, meditations, so you can, you know, get support in what to do because it's easy to forget. Um, so, if you can establish some kind of regular sitting practice, start small. Start five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, and you'll see over time that it makes a significant impact in your day. the The research shows uh, that um, that even when we do as little as ten minutes a day that it begins to impact our physiology, our brain chemistry, and our behavior. Um, so obviously the more the better, but even that limited amount has an impact. When we're making the intention commitment to be present, to disengage from our thinking process, to inhabit our bodies, and it, you'll see, as you, many of you probably already know, it starts to infiltrate and permeate your life. You start to suddenly notice you're a little kinder to people, or you listen, or you're a little more patient at the red traffic light, or you know, different ways it starts to spill over. Because awareness, when we cultivate awareness, it doesn't just happen here. Awareness permeates everything. So, of course, it permeates everything. So, I have some information now on the back table there. As I said, I have some CDs. Uh, Mindfulness meditation CD has four different kinds of meditations on. And I have a loving-kindness CD, which has heart practices, loving-kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and joy meditation. Uh, I have some poetry, a poetry CD. I'm reading my own poetry. And uh, I have a book. Uh, so one of the things I love to do is take this practice outside. Um, so I teach many courses, retreats uh, out in nature. Either both here, we sit up in the hills, for a day long or a week. Um, I teach down at Esalen several times a year in nature retreats in the Big Sur. And I have a 
program. I teach, I do a kayaking meditation retreat in Mexico and sometimes backpacking in the Sierras and this beautiful wilderness ranch I was at uh, last week um, in northern New Mexico called Vallecitos. Um, so you can find out about those things. I have a web, couple of websites. One website is called Awake in the Wild, which is the same name as the book about meditation and nature, awakeinthewild.com. And I have another website called the Mindfulness Institute, which is a site that has my work that I bring into companies and outside of mainstream meditation settings, so in schools or uh, university or healthcare settings. Um, so I do various kinds of mindfulness trainings and consultings, consulting and coaching. So you can find out there's cards that have all the information in the back and an email list if you want to find out about the work I do outside of Spirit Rock. I am teaching some things here at Spirit Rock Upcoming um, that I want to uh, do a little pitch for. Uh, one is called Essential Teachings of Buddhism, and this is a, uh, it's a, th- th- a three-trimester class. It's each trimester is ten weeks, ten evenings, Tuesday evening, seven to nine, starting October 1st. And we cover, I cover, I'm doing it alone this year, and we, I cover the foundational practices of the Buddha. So some of the things we've covered today, mindfulness, the four foundations of mindfulness, where this teaching comes from, Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, and uh, the heart qualities, love, compassion, joy, equanimity. So often people come to classes and drop in like a Monday night to see Jack or myself or other places. and. It's hard to get an overview, and there's a lot of teachings in Buddhism, so this course is partly designed to give you an overall sense of the practice. This year we're also offering it online, so you can, if you don't live local or you can't make it, you can uh, watch online, and there'll be some, an online module that I'll be checking in with people who are taking it remotely every week. Um, Other things that are coming up here at Spirit Rock. I find my glasses, I'll let you know what they are. If I don't, I'm going to have to guess what they are. Thank you. <laughs> Where are my glasses? I just got. Okay. <clears throat> that was a test. Uh, so we have a mindfulness yoga and meditation training. I taught this course for several years. Um, it's a, This year it's um, a year-long intensive that integrates mindfulness and yoga, particularly for, for teachers. Um, that's starting uh, in the fall of 2014. That's a long way away, but it feels quickly. Um, my dear friend and colleague, uh, Howie Cohen, is teaching a, a day long on Saturday, August 24th, called uh, Loving the House that the Ego Built. <laughs> you know, we have it, so you may as well love it, because you know, otherwise it's suffering. It's still suffering, but it's less suffering. Um, he's a wonderful teacher, teaches in San Francisco. There is an Awakening Joy Retreat, James Beraz, one of the Spirit Rock founders who wrote a book, many of you know, called Awakening Joy. Uh, there's a retreat he's hosting with several other teachers starting September 24th of September in, uh, up in Angela Center, which is in Santa Rosa. And then I'm teaching a retreat in the fall with Shadi Rogel in Spring Washam called The Flavors of Kindness, a retreat on the heart qualities of love, compassion, joy, and equanimity. Uh, Again, starting October 1st. 
So many wonderful things happening at Spirit Rock, evenings, day-longs, retreats. If you haven't set a retreat, highly recommend. It's a beautiful way to dive more deeply into the practice. Um, and if you want to do a nature retreat, my last one of the year, I'm teaching next week in Hollyhock, which is in Cortez Island, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. If you feel like jet-setting off to beautiful island to do a nature retreat. That's starting next Thursday. So that's enough about me. Thank you, you, (laughs) for your practice and questions and showing up and a couple of logistics. Um, If you're taking CEs, how many people are doing CEs? There's a few of you. um, So please remember to sign out. Um, And we need someone, someone needs a ride to Glen Ellen in Sonoma. Is anybody going up that way can give someone a ride to Glen Ellen, Sonoma? This person here, you saw each other, great. So are there any remaining comments, questions, observations before we go? We have about five minutes. Anything that wants to be said or questions to be asked or you're all fully, completely enlightened and that's, we just... (laughs) Good to roll it out. Okay. Or you all just want to go for a hike and get some cappuccino, probably. <laughs> okay, good. Well, thank you all for your practice and hope to see you again. Thank you. Take care, drive safe. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.